Welcome to Panther Paris, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Paris. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, TJ Peterson and Alex Lopez. And uh, yeah, everything we said uh, on the pod last week, uh, just pretend that that episode never happened. Uh, we we certainly didn't bury the season prematurely. Uh, I, I don't recall ever having any discussion about what went wrong and what needs to be better uh, before next season uh, in, in March. I don't think that that, that we did that. Uh, so last episode did not exist. Uh, the Panthers have just defeated the Buffalo Sabres in a thrilling two-to-one game and moved back into a playoff spot. Uh, so following that seven-game point streak and four-game losing streak, they're now back on a four-game winning streak, all backstopped by a remarkable week from Alex Lyon. Yeah, um, for the third week in a row, what a difference a week makes. Because <laughs> two weeks ago, everyone was like, oh, playoffs, yeah, we got this. Then last week, we we buried the season. So one last thing. For a podcast where we got everything wrong, we also got a shit ton right. It just had nothing – well, a little bit had to do with hockey. But remember, George predicted, hey, they win the next four, they're going to be right back in it. He predicted exactly how the final four was going to play out. I predicted that UMV uh, – UConn was going to be the de facto national championship game. And we were right on all of it while being wrong on everything else. And I want to add in that I said that in order to get back into it, they would need the teams around them to lose a bunch of games in regulation – Islanders over the weekend, two straight regulation losses. In their last three games, Penguins, two regulation losses. I mean, they they did win, but that was at home against the Flyers. I mean, not the Panthers didn't blow that game. You know, Rudolph Balser scored in that game. Who? Exactly. So that that was hey, always going to be a given. Flyers? Right. Uh, no, he, he is. Uh, I think he's on the Syracuse Crunch, which is a shame. Oh. He, he he should probably be on like the Sharks or one of those tanking teams because he's got Charlotte him. Checkers, you know. Yeah, he should probably be on the Char- Charlotte Checkers, but yeah, you know, we're now in a situation where the Panthers are in the wild card one spot. Yeah, and that is <laughs> definitely a situation that was not looking at all likely at this point last week, but that's what happens when. You white knuckle a win in Toronto that you didn't deserve. You get to play two of the worst teams, maybe the worst team in NHL history that the Columbus. Oh yeah, Columbus is an awful team. That was that was one of the worst teams in NHL history. I, I don't think. Did it's... they even have uh, eighteen skaters? They I don't did. think so. Oh, they did. They did. They didn't warm up eighteen skaters at morning skate. Yeah, that's right. There were some guys that came in from Cleveland. Yeah, they had a guy who missed a meeting or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Trey Fix-Wolanski. Uh, yeah. Any relation to the Swift-Wolanski restaurant? Trellis, Fort Worth. <laughs> That's such a stupid joke. Yeah. Um, I mean, Columbus was – that lineup was so bad on Saturday. You know who would have made them better? Good Branson. Yeah. That's how bad their lineup was that good points and would have helped them out on defense. Wait, where is he? Is he he's one of the many injured players? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. The only names that Bedard, I recognized so. on that entire roster that played on Saturday were uh, Gaudreau, Boone Jenner, uh, Jack Roslovic, Andrew Peak, Michael Hutchinson. Uh, yeah, Michael Hutchinson for the Batman. Hutch doesn't reasons. count. Uh, and uh, that one guy, <laughs> Liam Foodie. Who, I recognize like, other than that. <laughs> anyway, and for the record, I think the only reason I know who Andrew Peak is is because he's from here. He's from yeah. Parkland. If if Andrew Peak was not a former Junior Panther, I probably wouldn't know who he was. So, like, I wish he was better. Seven nothing <laughs> is the result that you should have expected out of that game. I mean, probably not expected, but like, no, it, maybe it, not you're, like. You're you know you're not I mean. like you're not like throwing a parade for winning that game seven nothing. You probably expected no. like four one. You no. know, no, five, I expected five. I expected a shutout. I, I I didn't expect a shutout, but I expected a comfortable win, and that's exactly what we got. 
I don't think we need to talk about that game more. You One more thing, though. A comfortable win. I want to do. I do want to say while we're talking about the Columbus game, Carter Verhage four goals. Carter Verhage oh. forty goals. Oh, the second player in Florida Panthers history with a forty goal season. There's about to be a third. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but. Let's give Carter Verhage his flowers. I, I know that we don't praise Carter Verhage enough on that show. People we really keep don't. telling us that we aren't kind enough to Carter Verhage. So let's write that wrong right here and give the man his flowers for his 40 yeah, we, goal we, season. We certainly weren't among the earliest adopters of Carter Verhage. <laughs> uh, was... I don't think I don't think any of us tweeted during uh, the training camp leading up to his first season as a Panther that even though he was lining up on the third line. I uh, expect him to be a top line player sooner rather than later. None of us tweeted that. No, um, I mean, I, well, hold on, hold on. Because I, I remember this. Keep go go. Sorry, Jacob. No, that was it. I just wanted to pat myself on the oh, back for because no, I was going to say that. I I distinctly remember that first training camp scrimmage that was streamed on on the internet. We're all watching. <laughs> we're like, holy shit! Like we already expected Brahegi to be good because we had been told like, hey, this guy's the next March or so. But like we were like, holy shit! No, this guy's definitely the next March just so, and yeah, we were right. So backpats all around, everyone on the podcast, give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, um, you were early adopters on the Verhage wagon with all of us. So congratulations to you, amazing job. Except Wonderful. for the people who hate listen to us, fuck you. Yeah, um, sorry that he doesn't. <laughs> no, get you know what? Fights, hate, hate, hate listens or listens, bruh. That's true. Hate listens or listens. Hate listens. They're they're listening to the ads. They're getting us that you know milkshake money because it's not it's not it's not steakhouse money, but it's milkshake money. So, so so don't worry, guys. We all know that you don't like Carter Verhage because he doesn't get enough fights. But keep hate listening. <laughs> all right, um, that's directed at one person specifically, and I'm going to leave it vague as that, so every person who thinks that thing that it's directed at them. Anyway, yep. uh, let's <laughs> quick, quickly, the Montreal game while we're covering the whole week, uh, and we're we're gonna I'm gonna talk about Kachuk at the end to segue back to Buffalo. But uh, Alex Lyon, yet again, outstanding performance on the second night of a back to back. No, not the Montreal game. Really? No, no, not at all. Didn't he was. We... I think they like that one. The first goal that he gave up on the first yeah, shot. But, was I mean, awful. But he that gave was, up two goals on what, like 32 shots? It doesn't matter. It was awful, and he was fighting the puck the entire night. Okay, well, it's they won five. Yeah, but that's now. still overall a good performance. He's got five points uh, in three games on uh, the second uh, night of a back-to-back where he started both games. Like no, that's... no no argument there. I am simply saying, as a goalie who's grading on more than just how many pucks did you stop, how you look while stopping pucks matters. And I'm not saying like, oh, the save's got to be pretty. I'm saying like, you got to look like you know what you were you were doing. And Alex Lyon was fighting the puck the whole night. A better opponent would have made that a closer game. But, you know, Panthers were getting the benefit of not having played Montreal enough times yet. And they were playing Montreal on the second night of a back-to-back, just like how Pittsburgh got uh, Philly on the second night of a back-to-back on Sunday and, and cruised to an easy 3-2 win. Yeah, their Phillies or Pittsburgh's remaining schedule is not exactly difficult. We'll talk about that after we talk about the Buffalo game. But uh, Matthew Kachuk got a hat trick in this game, if I remember correctly. He did. And, I, and Anton Lundell, did he score two goals? Two. Yes, he did. L- Lunde- Lundell, yeah. ever since you crapped on him on Twitter, yeah. he's had a bunch of points and It's three really goals. bizarre. It's You're like the Brooks Kepka to his Aaron Ekblad. Yes. I, that is a very good analogy because I, I I have to admit I am a little bit of a hater. You should. But, I, uh, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, and I'm sorry for cutting you off. Why Tuesday. we're really good no no at no that. it's fine. That's I, that's all I was done. We're so good at getting sidetracked. I though. just want to point out that Rangers fans and the Rangers organization is like patting themselves on the back and fellating Alex Lafreniere, Alexi Lafreniere, and he's got 38 points, a whole six more. Than Anton Lindell and Lindell's missed games and Lafreniere hasn't. So yeah, but we, Lafreniere is also coached by Gerard Gallant. We all know how he feels about young talent. I, I understand all that. I am just saying, like, let's cool off with the Anton Lindell hate TJ, where it's all like, right, he's, well, look, I'm not going to hate a down on sophomore him. season. I won't disagree. I'm just saying, like, Rangers fans and the Rangers organizations filleting themselves and Lafreniere is barely playing better than Lindell. 
All right. Well, you offered me the segue with talking about hating Lundell to the <laughs> Sabres game because this was I, you know, I I had even tweeted it out like, oh, like the money puck says they're dominating. I don't even know if that feels right. And everybody disagreed with me pretty much, which is fine because I wasn't saying authoritatively like they're not dominating. I was saying like, I don't know how I feel about that. And I guess I was wrong. Everybody said, you know, they were dominating. And the third period, they get the early goal because they were applying the pressure. And in general, I would say the first 15 minutes of the period were pretty comfortable. Then there was a, a pretty awful shift where they unnecessarily iced the puck twice and Lyon really had to be on his toes. And they get a power play because Anthony Duclair draws a penalty on a breakaway. Two, two and a half minutes left, we're thinking, oh, this is great. The game is over. There's no way the Sabres are going to get enough scoring chances to tie the game. And then with 50 seconds left in the game, 20 seconds left in the power play, Anton Lundell throws a blind backhand pass from the corner of the boards. And then he takes a penalty three seconds later. That was, that was a rough moment. And that this turned this comfortable game into a white knuckle, you know, uh, fast and furious ride to the finish that the Panthers ended up surviving. But man, that was an ugly moment. And what yeah. was a, probably a pretty good game for Lundell overall. Yeah, they, they were just, Awful that last five minutes, but let's let's kind of take this game chronologically because, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're we are literally responding to this game. The game ended 10 minutes ago, so let's just kind of go through the game. I mean, I don't want to spend an hour on it, but you know, first first shift to the or one of the first shifts of the game, Panthers are uh playing well, get the early power play, don't really generate too much, and then seemingly give up the first goal of the game, or actually, no, excuse me. They give up. They seemingly give up the first goal of the game before any power plays. However, Buffalo was clearly offsides. I'm seeing a whole bunch of Sabres fans crying on the internet that they were a millimeter offside. No, they weren't. Yes, the they guy were. Was old. They were. How tall is Alex Tuck? That's how offside they were. His Alex entire Tuck body, probably six three. Yes, he was barely. He feels like the... a player who's six three. Right, but he was barely across the blue line, and they're right about that. But he was barely across the blue line a whole, like, three seconds before the puck entered the zone. That wasn't close, guys. Like, sorry. And then second, the only reason that goal happened, because Skinner Skinner was grabbing Ekblad's stick, which forced the turnover that Tuck picked up. Like, under no circumstances should that ever have been a goal. And you're crying about officiating. Yeah, there's lots of crying about officiating. Even even I, like don't think that it's warranted. Like you tweeted something about the interference penalty. I, I thought that was an obvious interference penalty. No, I disagree. I thought he that sta- he was stationary and wasn't really looking, but I thought, sorry. I think that, but, but after the initial contact, he did the opposite of making an effort not to interfere. Yes. He was pretty clearly trying to get in Lundell's way at that point. And that's that interference. I yeah. I mean, the, the Mahura penalty, I would, you know, that they called holding on. Both of those guys were tied up and they were grabbing each other well before the puck was in the area. I hated that call, but yeah. like, that's one was go ahead. The officiating just was not good tonight. Like, there was a lot of missed calls, ticky tack calls, but like, I'm sorry. Like, it, it wasn't one of those nights where the Panthers got all the breaks. And like, look, like I said, I disagreed with that interference call that led to the first power play goal. But, like, there was a whole bunch of shit that was missed that didn't get called that should have been – that didn't go the Panthers' way. So, again, shut the fuck up, Sabres fans. Comes out in the wash, and that's ultimately how we can move on from officiating talk, I think. Uh, hilarious yeah. that Ekblad – actually, before that, I, I do want to say they got another power play. Or maybe this was the first power play, but whatever. Duclair has all of a net to shoot at because Levi – is trying to cover the guy that passed to him, which was on the other side of the ice and a pretty miraculous block by uh, what's the guy's name? Bushkinner. No, no, no. It was the Finnish guy. Yeah. Yakimpa or something. Yeah. Yogi yeah. Haru. Yogi Haru. Yogi Haru. The pr- pretty miraculous deflection that didn't end up in a goal. And then you go to the Sabres power play that happened right after pretty miraculous deflection. The way that I would put it, the Duclair deflection was the only possible deflection that could have caused that not to be a goal. And then Forsling 
accidentally deflects it into the top corner of the net on the Cousins shot. The only deflection that could have caused that to be a goal. Terrible luck. But the Panthers get it right back on the their next power play because Ekblad hits the post. It hits Levi's back and goes in. So luck restored. And it's 1-1 after 1. Anything else you wanted to say about the first period? I thought the Panthers were by far the better team, both at 5-on-5. Five five and the power the Panthers' power play was generating more than the Sabres' power play. The problem is the Panthers' penalty kill is still pretty crappy. Yeah, but I mean, that was a bad break. Oh, it was a bad break. I'm just saying, like, I don't think the Sabres should have been able to generate as much as they did, even though the Panthers generated more on the power play. I think this might not have been in the first period, but the Sabres had a power play where they they spent the last 40 seconds of it really slowly passing the puck around the top of the perimeter. Like, it was very strange. I don't honestly don't remember that power play. Uh, okay. could be, you're probably absolutely right. I just don't remember it. That game felt really slow to me. Like, it took forever. It was, you know, it was a standard length game in terms of actual time, but like, it felt like the clock was just moving at 0.5 speed the entire time. Maybe that's just me and not, you know, it was fast for you guys, but like, it just felt like a very slow paced game. I know it's a cliche, but I had that playoff game anxiety. Oh, yes. For this game, which I don't think I've had for any other game this season. Oh, yeah. I, I did not expect the Buffalo Sabres to bring that out of me. But, like, yeah, that was sphincter pucker time the entire game. I mean, like that's a solid in- team, you know? Not a great are- team, but a solid team. Yeah. They they definitely earned some respect for me tonight. I know that doesn't really matter to anybody. But I... I expected the Panthers to come in and control play and comfortably lead most of the night. And the Sabres were able to keep this a one-goal game or a a 1-1 game and then a one-goal game through the end. Like, they impressed me, but, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I think the right teams won the game. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the better roster, the team, the better. better. with, With another year of aging under everyone's belt, we're going to see the Islanders, Pittsburgh, and Washington fall in, fall a little bit further down into the bubble. Buffalo's a playoff team next year. I would be surprised if they're not. Uh, I think I think they still need a goalie. They have Devin Levi. Devin Levi. I, 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 like, I know it's only been like two or three games, but man, he's been really good. Craig Anderson's only 41. Here's the only thing I'm going to say, and we'll give Devin Levi his flowers. We're all fans of his. Um... But remember, Spencer Knight, he basically had the exact same start to his career in terms of how he played. And then, you know, the youth of it, the youth of inconsistency comes in. Now, Levi is older at his NHL debut. I'm just saying, if you're a team that expects to take the next step, you do not want Levi as your number one. You want him as your 1B with a veteran presence as your number one. And if Levi plays well enough that you swap the roles, fantastic. But I think this team needs a 1A stopgap to, you know, can, to help the team be better than they were this year. Because what killed Buffalo this year was poor defense and horrendous goaltending. And I don't think they're going to be able to clear up the defense. And it's just a lot to put on Devin Levi. Good. So trade them. Sergey Bobrovsky will go into next season with Knight and Lion and we'll win the cup. On the that subject, on the subject, I'm going to make a prediction now and I could be made to look a fool, but I predict that Buffalo will acquire an American goalie in the offseason. And I'm specifically referring to one of these three. John Gibson to Buffalo. Demko, Gibson, Hellebuck. Hellebuck? He's not but, leaving Winnipeg. There's well, no way. What if he's got one year left on his contract? What if he says, "I'm not staying after this year," and they either happen. miss the playoffs or they they get into the playoffs and get swept or lose in five unceremoniously? That's a really good point, and that's an organization that's shown they will not keep their they will not wait for their players to walk in free agency and get nothing. They will get something. Hmm. See and the reason that just, I the reason I don't think it'll be Ellabuck though is I just I just don't think that the Jets will find themselves on the outside looking in by next year's deadline. 
they're going to go into next season with the same core they have this year. And, and I know I mean, that they're they're kind of a bubble team this year, but but I I, I think I don't think they division. they should be on the other side of the bubble though. Like they've been if lucky. the Jets are outside are far enough out by the deadline next year that they are sellers. I would expect Shifley and Hellebuck both to fetch really healthy returns, and then I could see it. I think Demko but, is the most likely. I'll just say that. I I I would not count out John Gibson in this conversation at all. I I don't think Gibson is particularly thrilled with what's going on in that time. Oh, absolutely not. They're in the Bedard sweepstakes. Um, last thing on the Jets, I I, I think there's a very real possibility July first comes around and they go, "Hey, uh, are you going to resign?" And they get an and they get a. I don't know. We got to think about it. We got to see. And they start taking calls because you just. You're not gonna. You're not. When have you ever seen a goalie get value at the trade deadline? I mean, Ben Bishop got like a fourth round pick at the deadline. That yeah, but he, at that point he was. Like they also got Eric Chernak. How did that happen? Because Tampa's really fucking good at trading. Jesus, do you guys want to hear Winnipeg's free agent list after next season? Shifley, I know Dubois is up, Shifley's up, Hellebuck's up. Dubois up Blake, this season. It's Blake Wheeler, Mark He's Shifley, terrible. Nino Niederreiter, uh, Brendan Dillon, Dylan DeMello, and Connor Hellebuck. Those are those are the players who are signed next season, but not the one afterwards. And what happens when Josh Morrissey's uh, season this year turns out to be a, a, a blip? A flash because in the pan. Yeah. I think that's absolutely what it is. I like Morrissey. Don't get me wrong. Um, but he is not. You are what you are after three or four seasons of being it. Like, I just don't think that this is who he truly is. All right. Moving Back to the on. Panthers. Yeah, yeah. moving on. Um, is there anything else about this game we want to talk about? I mean, oh, let's. I mean, I did it on Twitter, but let's give Giovanni Smith some credit. He had a hell of a back check to break up a 2 1 1. Not a play I expected him to make, and he did it without taking a penalty. So great job there. Fourth line has had a lot of tough games recently. I don't think tonight was one of them. They, I thought they looked pretty effective. How much did they play, though? I'll take a look at it. I got Money Puck open right now. But I, I just remember Colin White was getting involved on in something in a positive way every time he was out there. He played six minutes. Giovanni Smith played yeah, six minutes, seven minutes, yeah. I mean, they so were effective much. minutes, you know? Yeah. Colin White got... The... Colin White took a high stick, right? Because I saw him at one point with, like, tape on his chin and some blood stains or something. I don't remember getting a high-sticking power play. No, we, I'm not saying we got a power play. I just... He got cut or something because I saw him, like, bandaged up. Yeah. Lowest XG percentage on the team in this game, by the way. The trash player, Sasha Barkov. We got to get rid of this guy. He's horrible. God, the hate listeners are going to jump on that, TJ. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so Colin White, Giovanni Smith, Nick Cousins at five on five. Uh, just under six minutes for Colin White. Uh, 640 for Giovanni Smith. 716 for Nick Cousins. The next lowest player is Ryan Hart at 12 minutes. So What's going on with that? Why is he only playing 12 minutes? Did he get hurt? No, Reinhardt had 19 minutes. I'm looking five on five, specifically. Five on five. Uh, yeah, he gets a lot of special teams. Yeah, Reinhardt, Lundell both had 12 minutes. Reinhardt took 13 faceoffs in this game? He won and 11 apparently of them. He was quite good on them, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's not something I, I knew. Uh, He's apologies, been I wasn't familiar recently. with your game. Same He's been Reinhardt. taking faceoffs a lot recently, especially when he was on the line with Barkov and you know, Barkov's been dealing with the hand injury. Yeah, uh, he was he was very good in the circle. Just an overall macro point. I I don't know how many teams this or how many games this team is going to win only scoring two goals. This this team is designed to win games four three. At, but and it's been a problem all year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like yeah, suck at people who don't think the Panthers can win playoff style scoring. Yeah, this is there's this your two one win. This is not a team that is built to win tight checking games. It's just not. But uh, I'm trying to dunk on the idiots. I I know I'm moving on, but 
the uh, I guess they did win tonight, and I mean they did deserve it. So whatever. Uh, ultimately, like at some point, they got to start putting up three, four goals a game consistently, at least three. Like only scoring two goals in a game this this era of the NHL is basically like conceding defeat, and they they somehow managed to win. Yeah, but their output should have given them four goals. You know, Devin. Yeah, Levi I guess that you're not very gonna... good. Yeah, you're not going to play a very fresh, very good goalie all the time. I mean, the guy had a force, you know, save 2.68 above expected today. Like, that's yeah. really good. Yeah. I mean, he stopped Kachuk on a breakaway. He stopped uh, Duclair on a breakaway, even though he was getting held at the time. Like, he had that save early in the game. I think it was on Ekblad with the toe. Like, he had some big saves. Yeah, he was very good. <laughs> the You know. <clears throat> a lesser I'm, goal, a go lesser goalie, and the Panthers have six, seven goals tonight. Yeah, I think if that was Michael Hutchinson, this is seven-one. Yeah, but also I like, <laughs> think very little of Michael Hutchinson. So, you do. <laughs> breaking news: I the tank commander goalie. Breaking news: Michael Hutchinson, not not my favorite goalie. So. Um. Let's uh let's do a standings update and schedule update real quick. So, like I said, the Panthers are now in the wild card one spot. Uh, uh important thing to point out about that is the Panthers, Islanders, and Penguins all have the same number of games played now. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the exact number of games played and points and regulation wins because that is actually relevant. Uh so the Islanders have the same number of points but one fewer regulation win than the Panthers. The same number of regulation overtime wins that that comes into play, which it it could. But it right could now, against the Islanders. Yeah. But right now the Panthers have the tiebreaker by one in the regulation wins column. So getting the win in regulation tonight was important. I think, and I don't fully understand the tiebreakers, that they would have still been in above them if they had won in overtime. But if they had won in the shootout, they definitely wouldn't have. Uh, so the Islanders, 78 games played, and they have 87 points, 33 regulation wins to Florida's 34. While we're talking about the Islanders, their next game is at home against the Lightning on Thursday. The Lightning were very good to us by beating them on Saturday. Hopefully they will do it again. Their remaining schedule includes that game, then a home game against the Flyers. Then they go to Washington the next Monday, and they finish the season at home against the Canadiens. We, we're lucky, I'd say, if they drop three of those points. They should go three and one. I don't know if they're going to lose to the Capitals or the Lightning, but they should go two one and one at the absolute worst. So that would give them five additional points and put them at 92 for the season. So the Panthers... They have to win two regulation games of their last four and then get an overtime loss or, you know, just win three of them. I, I'd say two, one and one is going to be the minimum to to uh, keep pace with the Islanders. And you need to probably win both of those games in regulation. So then we're talking about Pittsburgh. They've got 78 games played. And they lost tonight 5-1 to one to the Devils, and they did not look good doing it. But a, a very similar schedule look for them. The Penguins have a home game against a playoff team, much like the Islanders do on Thursday. They play the Wild. But their last three games of the season are pretty much a cakewalk. They go to Detroit to play the Red Wings. Now, I guess I that's probably not a cakewalk game because they did lose it, like, the last time we were recording was during them losing to the Red Wings in Detroit. So they're, they're capable of losing that. And then their last two games of the year against probably the two worst teams in the league, they're home against Chicago, and then they go to Columbus on the last day of the season. Yeah, and, the, and those teams are tanking hard for Bedard at this point. Like, they're starting their worst goalies. They're mm-hmm. scratching anyone with, a you know, a, a hangnail. So to expect a win out of that, even though Columbus has been – Fighting some people in the in the heels, it's unlikely. Yeah. One thing I do, I want to point out: the easiest way to think of the tiebreakers for any team other than 
uh, the Islanders, the Panthers have clinched. Yeah, pretty much. So, so a tie with Buffalo, a tie with the, the Penguins, the Panthers are in. Money Puck had the playoff odds for the Sabres below 1%. So I'm going to just not consider them in this race, sadly. It would be very fun to watch them in the playoffs, even if they were playing the, the Bruins. Uh, I think that the Penguins are probably going to go 3-1-0. Like, they'll they'll stub their toe either Thursday or Saturday, most likely. I would be stunned if they drop any of the last four points that are available to them. You know, not not to say that it's impossible, but, you know, I would I would be stunned. So what we're looking at is that the Panthers can only afford one regulation loss in their last four games. And then they got to, you know, win two of them and one overtime game. And that will, that will most likely be enough. But at the same time, like the only way to guarantee anything is by winning all four of them. And most of you probably know this, but let's go over the schedule one more time. Thursday home against the senators. If you don't win that game, you can't be upset at the end of the season when you don't make the playoffs. Then they go to the Capitals on Saturday, who will most likely be just getting ready for the offseason. Yeah, they were just eliminated today. Yeah, but again, a a game that I could totally see the Panthers losing. I could see them losing all these games, but like that's a little bit more plausible to me than the home game against the Sens. Uh, They played the Maple Leafs on Monday night, and that could really go either way in terms of are the Leafs going to give you a serious competitive effort or are they going to be just looking forward to their playoff series against the lightning? It's, it's tough to say, but it's a home game. It's not against a juggernaut or anything. The Leafs are good, but they're not a juggernaut. So you should expect to win. There's, there's no excuses for not winning this. And then they finish the season off against the hurricanes who I think it's pretty unlikely they won't be resting all their key players and just looking to the finish line in that one, you know, they, that's still a team that is really deep, really talented. So I think them without their three best players could beat the Panthers the way they played this year. But, you know, the, the teams are tougher on the schedule, but it is pretty fortunate when the Panthers are getting them because the Leafs might be resting people. The Hurricanes might be resting people. And maybe even the Capitals will shut Ovechkin down. Who knows? No, not while he's chasing. That's uh, true. Yeah, that's true. Gonna shut him down. Yeah, that's uh, true. yeah, crazy to think that the Panthers could actually have eight straight games against Carolina. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, just to one, one more thing on the Leafs. They are locked into number two. I mean, it would take, like, one monumental insane ending for Tampa to leapfrog them for the Sioux seed. So, and then that, that week Tampa plays, I'm not sorry, that Tampa, the Leafs play us on the 10th, Tampa on the 11th, Rangers on the 13th, all on the road. I would be absolutely shocked if we're getting a full strength Leafs lineup on Monday night. It's I just, mean, it's, it's six points with five games. That's jumpable. It's. Just, well, I mean, we'll we'll know we'll know going into it where the Leafs are. Yeah, but the Leafs are definitely not going to be playing all of their guys. Or at bare minimum, if they're playing them, they're not going to be, you know, double shifting guys like Matthews and Tavares because they finished their season with three games and four nights or four games in seven nights. Like you want guys rested for the playoffs. These wins do not matter to the Leafs. Carolina, on the other hand is only three points up, but they do have a game in hand on the one seed. And I'm sure Carolina would much rather play the Panthers, Leafs, I'm sorry, Panthers, Islanders, or Penguins rather than the New York Rangers. Mm -hmm. But I just think because that is game 82, there's a very high probability that it will be resolved by then. I agree. I agree. I'm just saying it's a lot likely, more likely the the that Carolina has something to play for on the last game of the season than uh, Toronto does on what would be games eighty for them. So if you're kind of like us and you sometimes like to just have added stakes in a, in a game, otherwise you might not have as much interest. 
we're going against the Devils for the rest of the season. So the Car- the Carolina that Carolina can clinch the one seed before game 82. But that's kind of tangential. Um, how do you guys handicap this? Do you think I, I guess that I gave my opinion. Do you, do you differ on it much or do you think two, one and one would be enough? I, I think two, one and one, you're, it should, two, one and one puts him a whole lot. 92 points, considering you have the tiebreakers, 92 points should be enough. But, you know, I I could easily see both either of Pittsburgh or the Islanders rattling off four wins to end the season because they do have a much easier road than the Panthers. Yeah, I, I that's the thing that worries me. I think that the Penguins are most likely going to get three wins out of this. And the the Islanders, I could see having a little bit more trouble. I think the Lightning will beat them because they're just in April mode. You know, they're 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 waking up from their hibernation, um, and they'll probably stub their toe one more time because I I just don't think very highly of that team, even though they do have Ilya Sorokin. It's just a team that is really lacking in star power, and. Yeah. What do you, you know, mean? They have Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat has actually had a really nice season. So I, I know I, he was on both of my fantasy teams. I can't hate on him too much, but I guess that that's just me saying, I think that this is such a race to the bottom that 92 points is probably going to be enough because you only need one of these teams to not be that good down the stretch. So they don't even need to go 0 3 and 1. They just got to go 2 1 and 1, maybe even 3 1 and 0 if it's the Penguins and you go 2 1 and 1 because you have the tiebreakers. So there's really no excuses at this point. There's been no excuses the whole season, but like, come on. It's all in front of them at this point. It's totally in front of them. So it's up to them. And I know that they have the tougher schedule, but. You know, you, you've got three of four at home, and the fourth is at a non-playoff team. Yeah, it's at a non-playoff team where maybe maybe it was a different team, but I heard heard so or no, I'm sorry, I'm thinking at NBA. NBA was saying that they were gonna start scratching guys to you know get more lottery balls, but like Washington, they're you know, Ovechkin's gonna try and keep scoring. Um, Kuznetsov's already requested a trade, so he's almost certainly checked out on this. Did season. he really? I missed that. He's been bad though. the The Caps are two six and two in their last ten. Good news for the game on Saturday, but they do play the Islanders, right? They play the Islanders, so hopefully they get up for just that game and none of the others. Yeah, they play the Islanders on Monday. Yeah, that so that'll be right after the Panthers. The Capitals will have oddly a large role in this uh, end of the season playoff race but you know like we've outlined they have the harder schedule but if they take care of business they've put themselves in the advantageous position where it doesn't matter where the other teams what the other teams do they just got to take care of business and that doesn't even mean four and oh most likely because i don't think either of them are going to go four and oh or at the very least they're not both going to go four and oh I, I think two one and one is the bare is the bare minimum you need. If you go three and one, you're in. Like you're in. Yeah. That yeah. would require both teams going four and zero for you to miss. Yes. Yes. And that's just I just I just find that very unlikely. Both of these teams currently have, you know, well below a one hundred point pace for a reason. And like it's all circumstantial. We've talked about Plenty of the year that they've dropped points that they didn't necessarily deserve to drop. But at, at the same time, they're lucky that 92 points is likely going to mean playoffs. Yeah. I mean, how many times did the Panthers missed the playoffs with 95, 96 points in the, in the last 10 years? Like at least once a few, at least twice. Yeah. yeah it's been a couple of times They're Yeah. They're very lucky. I mean, if this was last year, <laughs> they would have been packed up and done weeks ago. Yep. Absolutely. It's pretty simple at this point. You know, we, we talked about all of the specifics. If you want to get into those, the minutia, that's the word I was just looking for. 
but it's pretty simple. Take care of business and you can be wild card one. And I don't want to disrespect the Hurricanes because it's a very good team, but I think that we would be dishonest to not acknowledge that at full strength, they're clearly worse than this Bruins team who's just firing on all cylinders and they picked up two very good players at the deadline to supplement what was already a historically good team. And the Hurricanes are missing two of their best players. Yeah. They're missing Pacioretty and they're missing missing a Sveshnikov. Yeah. So, so I mean, can you really Bruins... can you reasonably call Max Pacioretty one of their best players when like he barely played? Yeah. It's fair, I, I... but yeah. they they don't have either of them. Yeah, so but it... they have they still have Sebastian Ajo and Brett Pesci and Right. It's and, totally relative. And Martin Natchez. They they would be Jordan favorites. Stahl. They would be favorites. I'd be tempted to say they'd be strong favorites. But I mean, if the Panthers were to play the... 100% Panthers are underdogs in that series. But if the Panthers were to play the Bruins, people would be like, so what are we going to do after they clinch it in five? And you know what? Like, what golf course are we going to go to? I'm not going to lie. I would... I I feel more confident in a series against the Bruins. And I know I've, I've talked about this before. I would rather play the Bruins than the Hurricanes. Alex, what do you think? Uh, The caveat there is both teams being fully healthy. I would rather play the Bruins than the Hurricanes. Okay. Yeah, but the Hurricanes without Svetch. All right. And we're talking about the Bruins with Orlov, who, by the way, has looked really good for the Bruins. Did they extend him? No. No. They don't have the money. Excellent. (laughs) If there's one thing the Panthers have, it's a hole on left defense. If there's one other thing the Panthers have, it's salary cap space next season. The Panthers should 100% be in on Dmitry Orlov as UFA this summer. That should be priority number one. It's going to be a, a tough contract, but they might not have any other choice. They don't yeah. have assets. They. I would rather overpay Dmitry Orlov as a UFA by a little bit than not fill that hole or try to budget that hole. Yeah, I mean, Barkov's going to turn 30 next year, I'm pretty sure. No. No, 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 like no. Stop. Stop that, TJ. Isn't he 28? Sasha Barkov, no. Sasha Barkov is will be 28 in September. I don't even think so. He was born in 95. September 95? Yes. Well, either in, way. In September. If we, if we agree that the prime is 24 to 26, next year he's going to be looking at the end of the the. Prime plus uh, window for here's sure. Here's the thing about that. That's an average. Well, it, it doesn't That's really matter average. though. He's still gonna be he's gonna be a first line center then. There's no yeah. question about it. But how much longer is he going to be a player that can win a Stanley Cup as your best player? Eight years. I mean, actually, I, I take right. that back. I take that back. Zero years. Oof. Because we have Matthew Kachuk. Either way, the Bruins have 10, 10.7 million in space, but they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven forwards to re-sign or replace uh, a defenseman in terms of Orlov, and then Jeremy Swayman is going to get a raise on his first on his RFA. Team. You know what? So That's another American goalie that might be going to Buff or to yeah to Buffalo. Swayman. Uh, yeah, no, I could see that because I, I think I think Boston's probably going to go all in on Olmark. Yeah, I, I could see I could see either I could see either one because Swayman's younger. But Sway, Swayman for one of Buffalo's young forwards that like they have it that in the in the minors in Rochester that's ready to make the jump. Mm-hmm. I think that trade would make a lot of sense. Maybe Yuri Kulik, who was the player that's they took exactly with the first round think. pick. That uh, the Panthers gave him for Sam Reinhardt. What a what a great trade for both teams. Yeah, that yeah. I, you mentioned it a while ago, TJ, but it's pretty rare where both teams win a trade. The Reinhardt for Levi trade is definitely one of those. Yeah, and don't even forget Kulik, like we were talking about Kulich, Kulik. I don't know which one it is. He looks good. Yes. All right, home stretch. We want to talk about the FAU. Final four game because uh, there are more hockey things we need to we need to talk about. I just need to remember the guy's name. 
Um, while you're thinking of that, we'll spend 30 seconds. Brutal way to end it for FAU. Um, what the fuck are you doing taking that shot with more than 0.1 second on the shot clock? Like, that was just bad coaching all around. I know that guy had a hell of a season. But, like, when you're up one and have the ball and they're not fouling, there is no reason to ever take that shot. Like, you take a horrible shot, but you have 0.1 on the clock and leave as little time as possible for San Diego State to get down the court. Because, remember, you can't advance the ball with a timeout. Horrible coaching, horrible uh, decision-making. And then as for UM, they just got beat by a team that was just as athletic than them and bigger at literally every position. Yep, It was like you could tell right away that UM just was not going to win that game because they were not big enough. A a dominant run by UConn all the way. You know, the only caveat is that I'll say they didn't play a single one, a single two, and only a a single three in their entire tournament run. Like I would have been interested to see what happened if they got to play Kansas. We were robbed of that opportunity because Arkansas just narrowly beat them. And the final four was full of three very, very good teams, but they were lower seeds and probably lower seeds for a reason. Cause some of those upper seeds were great. I mean, FAE was underseeded, but I don't think that uh, San Diego state necessarily is a top 10 team. I don't think that Miami is necessarily a top 10 team as good as they can be on their day. Like Miami, their, their ceiling is super duper high. So there should definitely be some optimism for that team because they can bring a lot of those guys back. I think they can bring long back. I think they can bring pack back. Omir might be more of a question. I no, think he's not going pro. There's no way. Okay. So yeah, that should be a good team next year. FAU is bringing everybody back pretty much. They're they're losing one of their like ten man rotation. It's it's ridiculous, but I mean, props to Dusty May. Even though that end of game sequence was a little bit, I mean, just like the whole last five minutes, just didn't really go well for him. And it's it's unfortunate that it ended the way it did. But Final Four, FAU, are you kidding me? Never in my life. The Panthers did make one signing that's worth noting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure we'll ever get an NHL game out of it, out of it, but we'll definitely get at least a training camp presence and possibly an NHL career. We have yet to see, uh, but out of uh, out of Western Michigan, the Panthers signed Ryan McAllister uh, to a nice little two way deal. McAllister had 13 points, uh, 13 goals, 36 assists, 49 points in 39 games. Technically, as a freshman, but he is 21, so he's an overage yeah. freshman. Yeah, uh, but still, 49 points in 39 games in the NCAA, uh, pretty impressive showing. Yeah, so not not going to guarantee a superstar out of that, but uh, definitely someone who could show up at training camp and make some noise. Uh, certainly, someone who could help out Charlotte either way. Panthers have Jack Devine, but. You know, Mackie Samuskevich as well, but it's not exactly like their prospect pool is packed with forwards or defensemen for that matter. So it's honestly a smart decision by him to come to a team where he's going to get plenty of opportunity at the very least at the AHL level to show that he's cut out for pro hockey. And I mean, the NCAA level is not that much further below the AHL level. There's certainly a step, but the NCAA is a tier above canadian juniors yeah the ncaa is finally getting the respect it deserves as being the third best or the second the second best developmental league in the world Mm -hmm. uh if the panthers choke this position and end up not making the playoffs we will pivot to covering the checkers playoff run at least a little bit because i don't know how much people will want weekly updates on that but uh it's been a while since we've had tj shalott so probably get him back yeah they're going to make the playoffs. Checkers will will definitely make the playoffs. Well, yeah, I think they've already clinched. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to make it. So um, that's your AHL update. Um, Mike Benning put his face on the milk carton. The Checkers have not clinched. Oh, like this one they had. They're fourth I mean, they're, in their division. They they will make it. They will make it. The six of the teams are getting in. So they are six points up, and they have a game in hand on Bridgeport. So. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're gonna and Lehigh and Hartford, right? They got points on all those guys. They got games in hands. 
on all those guys. And this has been your Charlotte Checkers update of the week. Any other uh, Paris topics or Panthers news that we've missed? Everyone should uh, go play Pokemon Conquest. Okay, es eso? Yeah, Pokemon Conquest is like a 12-year-old game at this point. Oh, I loved it when it first came out. And every now and then I go back and replay it. Uh, and I'm in one of those moods right now. Uh, it's it's a tactics RPG with a Pokemon skin. Uh, you can think about it as Fire Emblem, but Pokemon. Uh, and that should tell at least Alex everything you need to know about why I like it. Actually, if not for Pokemon Conquest, I wouldn't have ever played a Fire Emblem game. Because my last little run of Pokemon Conquest was right at the beginning of COVID. Uh, and I got through the first campaign in Pokemon Conquest. And my friend Sam was like, hey, if you like Pokemon Conquest, you should actually try out a Fire Emblem game. Uh, at which point I downloaded Three Houses and the rest is history. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm in a Pokemon Conquest uh, mood at the moment. And... I've there are 34 stories in Pokemon Conquest, and I've only ever played the first one. Uh, I am now playing the post game stories, and it is so much fun. Hurry, Brains <laughs> <laughs> five stars on the Nintendo eShop. No, I got a good You've one. Used that one a thousand times. I got Doesn't a good matter. one. Wait, this, yeah, TJ. This one for everybody in the service industry. Rate us five stars on Trustpilot. You guys don't get that one? Possibly, Not a clue. But, but the people that work in the service industry will get that one. I am fairly certain. I a guy certain. who works in real estate. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, that's definitely a service. All right. Signing off. It's in their hands. If they blow it, it's their own damn fault. Uh, see you guys on Thursday and the rest of the season. New podcast. We're aiming for Tuesday of next week. We're aiming for Tuesday and then hopefully planning something for the end of the regular season right after the Thursday game. Stay tuned to at PantherPuri on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram while you're doing that and check out the website, PantherPuri.com. And like I said, rate us five stars on Trustpilot. Talk to you again next week. Go Cats!